So many things have ruined my childhood So I go online to bitch and cry It feels like all of Hollywood is up against me They even made Optimus Fly New versions of what I grew up with Are being remade, rebooted and retried My adolescence is under attack now I think that a part of me has died Aliens, uh -huh, uh -huh. Predators, uh -huh, uh -huh. Marvel, uh -huh, uh -huh. DC, uh -huh, uh -huh. maybe it doesn't all quite stay. Okay, well, except maybe for that Jar Jar Binks. Could it be I've misunderstood? This podcast ruined my childhood. Welcome to This Podcast Ruined My Childhood. My name is Eric Walensky. I am your host today. With me as always, except when he's not with me, is Phil Durasmo. Uh, Phil and I are having a little bit of trouble getting some scheduled time together, so he's given me the keys to the podcast again, and I'm going to take her out for a spin. But can't do it alone. So joining me again for the third podcast, he is the co-creator of the Cool Dads Club podcast. Uh, you can hear him on Sirius XM and on stations in the St. Louis area. Ladies and gentlemen, my good friend, Scott Hennessy. Crikey, thanks for having me back. I'm broadcasting from Epcot. How are you, Eric? <laughs> I'm doing great, Scott. Great Scott! Great Scott! <laughs> oh, so yeah, so uh, we've had a little bit of fun together. I figured, hey, let's throw another one together, you know? Let's keep this uh, podcast ruined my childhood juggernaut steaming ahead. Uh, so it's, uh, it's summer. We're kind of past the summer blockbuster season. There's a couple still in the theaters, but the big releases have all kind of popped off since uh, Memorial Day. Uh, there are a couple of big titles out there that uh, this podcast ruined my childhood hasn't touched on yet. Uh, we're kind of holding those back for when Phil and I can get together again. In the meantime, Scott, I kind of thought this might be a fun little experiment with us two. You game for a little experimentation, Scott? Bring it on. Let's see. What do you got? All right. When we did uh, Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers... Oh my gosh, a theme! There it is! You hear it? Are you hearing it too? It's so addictive. When we did the Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers podcast, uh, we kind of touched on the fact that it had so many different little Easter eggs crammed in there, all these other cartoons and uh, animated kind of things. And Phil and I did the uh, the review of Ready Player One, and I kind of talked about uh, everything that got crammed into there, and and I've sort of lamented the fact that everything's turning to you know reboots, requels, sequels, prequels. Uh, but maybe, just maybe, Scott, I'm maybe just a little jealous because some things that haven't been rebooted, requeled, sequeled, prequeled, and generally rebooted haven't made it to the big screen yet or a new streaming service. So I thought it might be a little bit of fun if we talk about some things that, hey, why not put them out there? Since we're scavenging the 80s for everything else, 
How's I that think sound? That's a, <laughs> I think that's a great idea, Eric. I just have one question. There's a prequel and a sequel. Is there a postquel? And is the original movie just a quill? I'm not sure how this works. <laughs> you know, that's you're right. You're right. The 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 quill. Yeah. That's how we're going to so start we're... referring to the original Star Wars. It's no longer yeah. Episode Four. It's no longer A New Hope. It's Star Wars it's the quill. quill. Yes, Star the quill. quill. I like yeah. that. We've invented a new language, quill and uh, I think I've got a great one to start us off with, Scott. All right, hit it up. Uh, I think it's time we bring back the Golden Child. Do you okay. remember the Golden Child? No. Ed- What's Eddie Murphy? That's the name of the movie. That's oh. the name of the movie. Eddie Murphy, 1986. Okay. The brief premise, Eddie Murphy is a social worker who gets caught up in some sort of uh, sorcery and otherworldly kind of battle where a child is kidnapped from Tibet, taken to Los Angeles, because why not? And Eddie Murphy is the chose or the golden child basically the chosen one who will save this child and bring peace to the world. Sounds like a winner, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I have not heard of that, but in 2021 they did do coming to America too with Eddie Murphy. So I, I don't think that's off, out of the realm of possibility. It sounds like, you know, we could, uh, we can get this going. See, what, here's uh, why it's, what, well, here's why it's going to work. Scott, listen to this. Same sort of premise, right? The golden child's all, or the the child that he saved, rather, is all is all grown up, and oh no, there's an evil out there lurking, and it's coming. And lo and behold, the only person who can help them, Eddie Murphy. Eddie and this child, and a slew of other fun little colorful characters. They this time the child is kidnapped and taken to New York City, right? We did Los Mm -hmm. Angeles last time. We got to go East Coast Mm -hmm. this time. While they're there, milling about in these little underground dungeons filled with mystery and magic, they find a cell. And they open up the cell door, and they don't know what they're going to find. And out staggers a grizzled, kind of slightly broken old man with a real cocky attitude. And it's Jack Dalton. Okay. Kurt Russell from Big Trouble in Little China. It's oh, a crossover. Crossover. Yes. Oh, my God. Okay. You Instead really... of, right? Okay. Uh, I think, okay, this is this is good. You put a lot of thought into this. I think you're going to be disappointed with what, what I'm bringing to the table. <laughs> you really thought this out. <laughs> I haven't thought them all out this far. Okay. That's my okay. new idea. That's what I was thinking when I thought up this concept is let's yeah. start saving some time here. Why reboot these things one at a time and make these half-hearted efforts that eh, it hit, it missed, that didn't matter. Let's just start mashing them up. Right? Let's start some multiverse of madness kind they of stuff. You did that and you hated it. That's what we spent the whole time out talking about Chippendale. You hate when they bring too much in. No, no, no. I, yes, I hate it when it's too much, when it's background okay, so and distracting. Yeah, but this is so just Eddie Murphy and Kurt two Russell. Two IPs, tops, maybe three. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, maybe. Maybe three. Okay, okay, okay. But let's like at least make them related, right? You know, Tibet's right next to China. It's governed by China. It all meshes together. We never knew what happened 
to uh, Kurt Russell at the end of uh, Big Trouble in Little China. He's he's riding off in his truck, and that one creature that they never killed is lurking on the back of his semi truck, and then it just kind of goes and then poof, nothing. So what's Kurt been up to since 1986? Well, he's been fighting all this underground stuff, and he's been in this cell, and it takes Eddie Murphy and some wisecracks to break him out of it. So is the Golden Child? That's a comedy, I'm assuming, right? With Eddie Murphy? Yes, yes. And Big Trouble in Little China has comedy, but it's more action, right? Right. Okay, I I could see this. I mean, that's I mean, think about the Twenty One Jump Street movie. I mean, that that went off. You know, they made it a comedy movie when I don't think Twenty One Jump Street was really ever thought of as a comedy, and I think it I think that worked. So um, yeah, that's I could see it's this. It's the sequel crossover that no one asked for. <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> and in my case i never heard of <laughs> see and that's why it'll work because like dvd sales will go through the roof because that's probably the only way you could find the golden child anymore it's on <laughs> dvd or maybe even vhs <laughs> okay um well, I want to I want to bring up one that I have not fleshed out, you know, uh, plot points or anything. But a movie I always wanted a sequel to was Beetlejuice from uh, from the eighties. Michael Keaton, hilarious, really just a lot of cool stuff. One of Tim Burton's, I think, you know, real real kind of fun uh, movies. They've tried to do a sequel for years, and I think there was one title floating around called. Beetlejuice in Hawaii or something like that. Really? It all sounded awful and terrible and nothing ever got off the ground. Um, but man, I think, I think if you could get the right script, I think it would be really fun. Um, and, and, you know, I think a sequel would be great because right. They've started a whole new chapter where they've got, you know, Lydia's is, you know, uh, you know, uh, got new adoptive parents and, and you know what what their family life becomes like her parents are ghosts um you know mm-hmm. i think that could be really interesting and, and beetlejuice is there but you know also when they go <laughs> to the waiting room what just the way you said that and beetlejuice is there <laughs> beetlejuice is there but no well see he's great right he's he's really cool but think about when they go to the waiting room all those cool characters there's lots of little uh subplots there you know there's a football team there's the you know uh, uh, the guy that's hanging, you know, the squashed tire guy, you know, there's lots of, lots of things that could come, uh, lots of storylines that they could explore there. Um, well, I don't know. I think just, it's a real macabre kind of a dark comedy. Um, you know, Tim Burton's stylized. I think you kind of have to do, um, you know, what do you think Beetlejuice or is, do you think Beetlejuice is one and done? Could you see more? Well, no, I think I think you hit on something great because I mean, if you remember, Beetlejuice had a cartoon, right? Um, that's right. I forgot about Beetlejuice that. had a, a series of toys. Even I remember <laughs> seeing the shrunken head hunter guy. Remember him? He was in the waiting room too. Uh huh. Oh, that shrunken head hunter guy. Yeah, I remember seeing <laughs> that toy. So yeah, Beetlejuice. I think Beetlejuice even had uh, made it to the trading card game. Remember when making trading cards of movies was cool? Yeah, but I, in that time period, everybody had a trading card. Even Back to the Future 3 
had trading cards and well sure I, but my point <laughs> is you're you've hit on something because it was good enough to market that way and honestly yeah. i'm surprised that it never did get an uh, a sequel right right you, you I think, think the only it, thing it, we've got right now is a is a broadway musical that that opened right before the pandemic and and but it's the same story it's a little more flushed out but yeah what's what's going on after after all this and that's why I was just going to say that it has spawned that that Broadway show. So there's something there. I mean, yeah. I I don't think you're 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 off on the Beetlejuice train there. Um, just not Beetlejuice goes Aloha. <laughs> why not? <laughs> like like that's that's what Beetlejuice was. I mean, at least his character, he yeah. was that kind of campy, goofy silliness and you know beetlejuice goes aloha i mean that would be like such a throwback to those yeah those old campy so, so play up the camp yeah yeah camp. yeah yeah okay um, yeah you, you you've actually convinced me bring that script back we want it well i could almost guarantee you the reason that it never did get a sequel is but of course they could have recast but but i bet you michael keaton had no yeah. interest in it yeah he probably didn't want to do that again i mean the only reason he did Batman Returns is because he needed money to put an addition on his house or something like that. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, sure, I'll be Batman. I, I got to pay off this mortgage, you know? So that's... Right, right. I don't I'm... think Tim Burton would do it, uh, but I can guarantee Alec Baldwin would do it in a heartbeat. <laughs> he's never <laughs> said no to things like this. I I, I think you're onto something with that. And see... So my, you know, my, my first, uh, example there, the, you know, the golden child, big trouble, in little China. I mean that, I think that would be a cool crossover that you could, you could make something out of because, uh, the golden child, probably the lesser known of those two titles, but I think that would be fun to see them paired up. Kurt Russell is still out there making movies. He's really funny. And, you know, Eddie Murphy, of course, classic, uh, comedy stylings there. So I think that'd be fun. I think Beetlejuice, like you said, just genuinely deserves it. Uh, my next property here, I think genuinely, genuinely deserves it. And I cannot believe, I really can't believe nobody has done this. The only thing I can think is there must be some sort of problem with the rights. But I mean, this was a major release. It's got to be owned by a major studio. I don't know why. And now I'm hoping you've heard of this one. <laughs> <laughs> the Last Starfighter. That's on my list. You're kidding me. That is on my list. Oh, we matched. Yep. Same Phil, you got the match game theme by any chance? The old match game 76. Dun, 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 dun. Hey, we did it. <laughs> but yeah, can you believe Star Fighter. Yes. How in our age of modern yeah. video games, such high-end graphics that have their own immersive storylines, you know, voiced by professional uh, Hollywood actors even. And Robert Preston, right? In his last role, I believe. Yep. Yep. I don't yeah. think he did anything else after that. I think that was I it. think that's he passed shortly after. Yeah. But yeah. But that yeah, is how, did, how is nobody yeah, grabbed on movie. this? So I think you might be onto something with the rights because there wasn't even uh, uh, a, an arcade cabinet like in arcades that that I know of, um, you know, because that that features heavily in the movie. The, the it's very iconic. The cabinet. I think there was a uh, uh, um, an Atari home game version, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, a buddy of mine who builds cabinets actually made a screen accurate one like on his own uh, because he collects cabinets and but there didn't I don't think there is one that existed. Uh, he made one, but yeah, the fact that they didn't <laughs> jump onto that either tells me that I don't know if they're burying this or they don't want to. I mean, it's on right. they've done Blu-ray and DVD releases, so they're not yeah. you know, vaulting it. So, so for anybody who doesn't know the last Starfire, I didn't recap Beetlejuice because. I mean, shame on you if you don't know who Beetlejuice is. But The Last Starfighter, basically uh, a video game called The Last Starfighter is in this trailer park in pretty much nowhere America. And this kid is kind of uh, down on his luck, tries to go to uh, college and he gets rejected. And he's just he's a good kid, but he, he doesn't have any real options with life at the moment. But he's really, really good at this video game and he beats it. He finally beats it. And then next thing you know, an alien comes down and says, you know, you pass starfighter training, takes him into space. Turns out that the whole premise of the video game about this Kodan armada that's going to invade the galaxy is real. And he finds out the whole video game is a simulator, basically. He succeeded and he's going to be a starfighter and help fight. Well, of course, he's freaked out. He's like, I don't believe this and comes back to Earth. While he's on Earth, uh, a spy blows up every last starfighter up in space who had passed, apparently, the tests. And then he has to be the only hope for the the galaxy, the universe, really, because uh, he is the last starfighter. And uh, spoiler alert, he pulls it off. Um, <laughs> but it is so, so funny. It's got great lines. I, I still, like, think of parts of that movie from time to time because it it really you know like him and grig he's teamed up with this like gung-ho alien who's all yeah. ready to just and he's he's telling grig like when they're gonna go fight the armada alone he's like it is you know the odds are a million to one it'll be a slaughter and grig is like that's the spirit <laughs> <laughs> no 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 our slaughter we're gonna get killed here <laughs> and <laughs> Oh, I don't just... remember the plot details of this. It's been a long time since I've seen it. Uh, I told you before we recorded that you would call me out on something that I, I don't remember the details. I don't remember even how it ended other than he saved the universe. So oh. I, when I brought it up, I was going to give the caveat like, I don't even know if there's, I don't remember if there's anywhere they can go. I just remember loving the movie and wanting more. <laughs> so. Yeah, basically... Um... They, they were hiding in an asteroid and then they they power down their ship and then as the armada passes by them um, they think they're just in an asteroid they just pass an asteroid and they don't sense the ship and then once the armada's uh, uh, in front of them aka they've gotten behind the armada now they real quick gun up and then they go for the main turret on the head spaceship because once that's destroyed then they can't communicate with the other ships kind of classic you know hit the one target and that takes care of everything kind of scenario and then uh but then the coolest part is uh they had to wait until the rest of the armada was in range and they go to the death blossom remember that all the panels on their spaceship open up and the ship just starts rotating at every like 360 degrees and just start spinning and throwing missiles every which way oh. and they they manage to blow up every single last ship it's called the death blossom and grig has great lines about uh 
you know, have you ever, you know, tested this? Test it. I built it. Yeah, but does it work? And then he just shrugs and goes, mm. <laughs> like, <laughs> what do you mean? Tested oh, it. I built it. <laughs> All right. I'll get, I'm going to watch it again tonight. <laughs> I know. I, I haven't. remember any of these. I got the VHS copy of this for a graduation present from when I graduated college in 1998. That was the only way you could still get the last yeah. Starfighter on VHS. Right, right, right. Oh man, that, that movie seemed like it was on every Saturday. It's burned into my brain. Uh, really, really good. I should have looked it up beforehand, but I can't think of the name of the main kid, the actor. He was just, I, he was in a couple of other things back in that era, but uh you mean his brother, or are you talking about the main guy? The main guy. Phil, you got that for me? Lance Guest. I failed on that. I went creative on this one. I didn't get my facts. All right, thanks, Phil. So anyway, that guy. You heard it at home. He, I, I didn't hear it. <laughs> He's really good. So I actually had this movie and another movie kind of the same... Uh, for me as a kid that I watch a lot, same kind of genre. Oh, just um, real quick. Just, yeah. and just as a point on this, cause we've talked about reboot, requel, whatever. I think the last Starfighter, if they were to do it should just be a straight 100% remake, like no mm. continuation. We don't want to see old Alex. That was the character name. We don't want to see mm-hmm. the old Alex, like coming back from space. And he's no. got a son now that, we don't want to we don't want any sort of a, a a reboot we don't really want like a, a ghostbusters afterlife of it like i want right. like a right. legitimate like the first one doesn't even exist we're just making a brand new the last starfighter with a modern video game modern mm-hmm. graphics you know and just you know maybe maybe punch up the backstory because that was the other thing i like about the last starfighter is very simplistic it just yeah. went for it. Yeah. What's the premise? A kid plays a video game and he goes into space. Done. They didn't and develop the controls the... of a spaceship are exactly the same as a video game. <laughs> <laughs> right it down is. to right down to he had to put quarters in to, <laughs> to even start the ship up. It really weighed down the ship with all those quarters. Anyway, that's my last note on Last Starfighter. If you're if you're out there, Hollywood, if you've stumbled across this podcast, if you have any sort of power, please just just make it. I don't even want credit for giving you the idea. Just do it. <laughs> so love that, love that movie uh, around the same time. And there was another, you know, kid in a spaceship movie. Uh, so I had both of these kind of on the same, kind of on the same level. Uh, the other movie was flight of the navigator. Mm. I love that movie so much. And I really felt like, you know, the first half of the movie was, you know, he's at NASA. They're, examining his brain like just building up to the spaceship building up the spaceship and then he's in the spaceship you know just for the last half of the movie and the whole thing is like yeah we're not going in outer space we're just driving across florida and going home and we don't really get to do much in the spaceship so i always wanted another adventure where you know he's with max and going into outer space and and actually seeing these planets or doing time travel um I, I don't know, you know, how how great that would be, you know, since it's been so long, would it be a different kid or would it, you know, how many, he said he was picking up, he was picking up test subjects from lots of different planets. So maybe, right. you know, we kind of see some of those uh, missions. Um, 
again with this one, would you prefer just a straight up remake of the original? No ties, because again, the the, the temptation, because that's that's the trend we're seeing now is like right. remakes. We're not really seeing re remakes. We're seeing oh well now he's the dad. And, you know, I feel like Flight of the Navigator could be a continuation story because that was, I feel like, more more of a blockbuster than Last Starfighter. Last Starfighter, I don't think as many people would know the source material. And, you know, obviously it's a video game, so it's already dated. Like, you know, to remake it, make it modernized, I think it's an obvious choice. Navigator, I mean, Paul Rubens is still alive and doing voiceover work. He could easily voice Max again. Well, um, and I think this would lend itself to more of the continuation, like right. a, a soft reboot, maybe more of a sequel um, where, yeah, this kid's maybe, maybe even Max needs the adult, right? right. Like, yeah, let's, let's make this trouble in there. Like, you can go for it. Right. And let's maybe adult. make this more of a uh, more of a a father son or a father daughter or some sort of journey like that where max comes down needs the original kid because of the because remember the maps were in his brain and that's yep. why he needed him so maybe his daughter or his son gets tags along on this journey and 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 then they maybe reconnect you could do it some sort of like you know kind of you know parental bonding kind of movie or you just uh I don't know. Remember, you, you, yeah, it, would, that, it would work that way. Yeah, and remember, he brought that little, uh, that little creature thing with him. That little, uh, you know, sugar glider with opposable thumbs. Right. <laughs> the the thing that like he was the last of its species, right? Yeah, that's why. Like, oh, sure. Just take it and keep it in your backpack. You're right. Right. Yeah. Maybe yeah. that thing. Maybe that yeah. became a gremlin. Maybe that's the crossover you were looking for. I like that. I, I, I could see, you know, I mean, I also see myself rolling my eyes at it. I mean, <laughs> because <laughs> because Eric hates everything, because Eric hates everything. But <laughs> like, seriously, the last Starfighter, dude, sign me up. I would love a modern version. And even if it was yeah. terrible, I would just sure. like to see somebody put that on the screen. Yeah. Um, but, but I mean, hey, I'm even going to roll my eyes at pretty much anything I'm even pitching in this in this podcast tonight but but i but you know um it, it was it was a fun movie uh i never saw it in theaters did you see it in theaters i only caught it on oh TV. i saw it on the on the disney sunday uh movie and we yeah that's how i saw it, it. Over yep. And over. yep yeah well right, al- what's next yeah Maybe. along those lines uh we uh see that movie i think ended happily Yes. Personally, I think that had a very, very happy ending, and and if you never saw anything else, uh, that's fine. You just assume he's back. He's a normal kid, lives a great life. Well, another creature from space movie that we've never approached again, except for a Super Bowl commercial. What if we did E.T.? Eric, that's on my list as well. Boom. <laughs> We find out what happened to Elliot all these years because, like I said, Flight of the Navigator ended happy. But Elliot, mm-hmm. right? how did he grow up 
having oh, he had to been go for sure having been psychically linked to an alien that died and then he brought it back to life with the power of his love. You know the government would have covered up all of that. All of this. And he'd spend his whole life ranting and raving. He could, you know, never have a normal relationship with anybody after that. Yeah. I mean, his first kiss was because E.T. was watching a soap opera drunk at home. <laughs> I mean, gosh, what does that do to your psyche, you know? <laughs> so um there was a novel written a, a sequel novel um i remember reading it as a kid and they still had that psychic link uh remotely so et was on his home planet really? Elliot's still on earth and they still connected uh it was more emotional right it's not it's not uh you know thoughts it's not uh you know reading minds but it was it was the uh, emotional link. Um, it was pretty cool. And, you know, I don't think it was ever going to turn into a movie because it wasn't that great. It was E.T. doing his stuff on his planet. Just normal, you know, E.T. suburb stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and Elliot is still a kid um, just going through his day. And then occasionally there was like, oh, E.T.'s happy. Yeah, I am too. <laughs> it wasn't that great. So I don't know what can... What would you want? Would would you obviously we would want ET to come back to Earth or for Elliot to go to whatever tattooing? What's it called? <laughs> what's it called? Um, glub glub. What, yeah, I, I don't think they ever say the name of it except Spielberg says the name of it in the Universal yeah. Ride. Yeah, but I can't think of it. Um, Mook or something. Is it, isn't it just the Green Planet? It is it's Green Planet. Oh, that's what it is. The Green Planet and. Yeah, obviously you've ridden that ride, the Universal Studios ride. Um, it, it for people who haven't, it starts off, you know, just like the movie. You're in the woods and you're on the bike, and then you know the cops try, try to get you, and then you fly, and then you go over like a miniature town, and you go over the moon, and it's super cool. And then you're you're doing it. You're going to take ET home, and then ET's home planet is like you ate shrooms on the way there <laughs> and right before you land just for good measure, you take some LSD cause it is the nuttiest. There's all these talking plants and they're singing this dupa 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 song. There's baby ET swinging like Tarzan. Yes. They're, it's, they're going bananas. It's, 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 <laughs> It's like some kind of, you know, 70s style <laughs> best little whorehouse in Texas. Kind well, they're, of. they're super happy because when you first get to the green planet, it's dying. And that's the reason you fly there is to help. Uh, well, eat, eat, sure. You know, restore but... the planet. So now it's lush and green because you've arrived. So they're like, you know, they're losing, they're losing their minds. They're eating <laughs> all those space shrooms. <laughs> And then the one big E.T. like leader, the chieftain or whatever he is, yeah. and Liz and I still say this to each other on occasion <laughs> when one of us comes home. It's, he goes, welcome, welcome home. home. You've, You've arrived. arrived. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, man. The first half of that ride, though, is incredible. Like the yeah. queue line, even to that ride, you feel like you're in the redwood forest. 
it is so well done. And then the second half is just like, <laughs> all right, everybody, put the LSD on your tongue. Here we go. It's crazy. Yeah. So wild. here we go, Scott. Was we that take... what you would want the ET movie to be? No, I'd want. <laughs> I'd want. The planet? <laughs> no, I'd want a. I'd want a darker. Like I said, Elliot's messed up. It's like a real character piece okay. until ET comes back. And then Elliot's like mad at him because E.T. basically ruined his life. And then E.T. takes him to space. And then maybe we see like some cool space stuff, not talking plants kind of stuff. Or maybe that's what Elliot needs. I don't know, depending on how addicted to drugs we have, Elliot. But So Elliot is played by Joaquin Phoenix, in my mind. Oh, right? that would be great. Yeah, because he'll bring that he'll bring that darkness to it. But see, here's what I'm thinking, though. If we're trying to kill two birds with one stone here in our reboots, they don't quite get to E.T.'s home planet. Twist! They run into Sebastian on his luck dragon. Oh. And it turns out that Sebastian and all that space screaming (laughs) at the end of the never-ending story, (laughs) say my name! Uh Say it! (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is what disturbed E.T.'s home planet in the first place. And that's why E.T. Oh. and his friends left. And then, now that everything's put back together, uh, they need Elliot's help to help destroy Sebastian because he's a power-hungry universe monster. I don't know. I just threw that out there. Right. So, yeah, yeah. No, the green planet looks like it was destroyed by the nothing. So I could see that. Yeah. We, we can do that. And the never-ending story, I almost put that on my list but I know they made a part two and part three never saw them. They just right. looked, the trailers looked awful. So I just figured I'd leave them alone, but you know, with the right treatment, you might be onto something. Who knows if there's any Hollywood powers that be scanning movie podcasts right now, man, they, I hope they're taking notes. Oh, all right. So what do you got next? Well, the next movie that I have, I've always wanted, I've always wanted a sequel, but thinking about it, a prequel would be awesome as well. And that is Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Mm-hmm. It was from the 80s. Mm-hmm. You know, this was, we talked about earlier episodes. This was kind of like the prequel to, uh, or, you know, the precursor rather to Chip and Dale and uh, Ready Player One. This is all the Easter eggs. Right. Um, I know that there were, this is based on a novel and there were two or three sequel novels written at the time that I believe were optioned, just never, never made, never filmed. Um, But, you know, Eddie Valiant, he's solved other crimes. We know his brother died traumatically. I mean, that could be the prequel. We could do sequels where, you know, uh, we see more of Roger Rabbit's hijinks, and and Toontown is saved, right? So now it's like mm-hmm. a whole, a whole, you know, whole time there, and and that's just crazy. We got new cartoons. <laughs> um, I don't know. I I know they've tried to make Roger Rabbit too, and it just never, never panned out. And, and I think it was just technically, it was just so hard. Uh, back Robert then Zemeckis, for sure yeah back then for sure robert zemeckis said it was the hardest thing he'd ever done he never wanted to do it again um so it's probably why they didn't attempt it. i mean it's, it was expensive they said it was you know per frame one of the most expensive movies they had done 
just well, that's and animation. Do you remember going through tra- traditions when you worked at Disney? Yeah. And they talk about how the reason Disney is, you know, as good as it is, it's because they bumped the lamp. Yeah. You remember them talking about that? Uh, I had never heard that in traditions, but yeah, I'm familiar with, yeah, bumping the lamp. Bumping uh, the lamp because in the one scene where Eddie and Roger are fighting in the room, Eddie or Roger bumps a lamp that swings wildly, casting a shadow across the room. But because it's a swinging light, the animators had to go frame by frame and make that shadow match the trajectory of the light. Yeah. Right. The shadow moves. Yes. So the the light is swinging. The shadow in the real scene is moving and swinging the whole time. But they had to add shadows onto the animated elements. Right. And the animated elements, the camera is moving around the room. So you're getting a couple of different depths going at the same time. And and the only people that noticed it are animators and people in the industry. I never, you know, noticed it or thought about it until, you know, learning about it and then appreciating a lot more like, wow, that, that is some, you know, that is some technical prowess, uh, just, just to do it. And the reason Disney stands like makes that their kind of little motto when they talk about going that extra distance is because they did not have to bump the lamp. Right. The easier thing would have been to not have a swinging light (laughs) that you had to draw over your cartoon rabbit. (laughs) Right. Right. But, but they went that extra mile um, to make that detail that, like you said, most people didn't notice, but, but you, you probably did notice it. You just didn't think about it. it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For sure. Right. I could see that a prequel would be good. Um, It'd be a lot easier because then you could get somebody new as young Eddie. um, Mm -hmm. And then, cause obviously doing anything all these years later, you'd have to explain, you know, obviously, uh, Bob, uh, Haskin or Hoskin? Hoskins. Hoskins. Yeah. It says pass. So that'd be uh, difficult. Plus he'd be, even if he were still alive, he'd be too old for that. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. We could throw Roger rabbit up there. I mean, I don't, was he, Oh, he was actually in Chippendale rescue Rangers too. At the beginning, Roger Rabbit was, yeah, yeah, yeah. They and he had a bunch of shorts that they place in front of, uh, you know, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and, and a couple of you know Disney movies at the time that they kept trying to keep that IP going. Yeah, but it didn't go very long. I almost heard the theme there, and then I didn't. For Roger Rabbit, for Ch- Ch- Chip and Dale Rescue. Ah, there it is. Ch- Ch- Chip and Dale Rescue Ranger. Hey, Scott. So keeping it in animation, uh, and this, I, I did a little research on this one. Apparently in 2001, they were, uh, it was announced that they're going to start a live action. I have not seen anything, any casting, any notes or anything since then. Um, I guess over the years, they've discussed doing this live action. It never came to fruition. It did get a couple of, uh, basically rebooted uh, series on the Cartoon Network. Um, But I'm thinking go live action, go strong with this, find a way to make it happen. The Thundercats. Ho! Right? You want to do it live action? Yes. But it would be animated still, though. No, no. 
just CGI, like Lion no, King. No, real live action. But it was live action. No, no, no. People in prosthetics and costumes and stuff. Oh, like Jim Henson, Phil Tippett style. I mean, like any, <laughs> I mean, like the, the, uh, uh, or is the this more like the cats, cats, the musical, kind of the movie? No, I mean, like you put makeup on, on, uh, on the characters in guardians of the galaxy and make them, you know, mm-hmm. any, any uh-huh. of those, you know, okay. like go full live action. Just like I right, said, right, prosthetic right. heads and masks and, and all of it. Um, I mean, you got to fix it a little bit. And, and as I was thinking about, it, it's like, how do you fix this? Because the story is basically transformers. It's also Superman ask their planet is dying mm-hmm. and they need to escape. And then, uh, in the original, they end up on, uh, on third earth where there just happened to be a mummy, a power hungry mummy that lived there, Momra, that basically is their foil week after week after week. And, uh, and there's no real, and then they just shut him down. He goes back to his crypt and that's the end of it. Um, then of course the mutants, which were their enemies on, on the Eternia or not Eternia, uh, Fundera. They, I, I'm getting you get He-Man mixed into this. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I thought uh, I think that would be cool because you'd have to though, like the coincidence that you you know you flee your planet to wind up on another planet where like the sole mm-hmm. inhabitant is a power crazed mummy. That, that just it's a little thin. I think you could work Momra in there, maybe even as sort of a secondary character at first. Um, you could do this as a series, I think. Um, maybe go kind of Game of Thrones ish with it, not adult Games of Thrones, but just started so, off with a yeah, started off with a like a happy Thundera, and the mutants, you know, Slythe and all of them, they're kind of you know one tribe in one place, and the Thundercats are somewhere else, and then over like the course of the first season, the mutants you know, find this mummy or they somehow they bring Momra around. And I don't know. I think, I think if you took a games of Thrones approach to it, you could, uh, and, and maybe give them like some real depth. I think that would be both interesting and kind of hilarious. Like watching lion like mm-hmm. really try and emote. <laughs> <laughs> Did you watch Thundercats growing up? I, yeah, no, I, I, I watched it when I was a kid. I, I remember Lionel, uh, Chitara, Panthero. We had the toys. Um, I couldn't tell you <laughs> the name of their plan or anything now. It's been it's been so long. Um, but yeah, I laughed at first when you said that. But you know, you're talking about you know really making it a serious you know a serial show where it's you know a lot darker. I'm thinking like you know how Heroes wasn't like you know superheroes flying around it was it was more like a, a soap opera of superheroes right like this is a um more like you said like an emotive piece um you know coming to grips with you know their their crossover type uh feline characters are they are they part are they aliens are they part cat part human what are they're just all cat they're all but, cat but they're but they're, but they're walking talking uh, yeah Okay. Anamorphic. And they I wear guess. clothes. An- anamorphic, I think, anamorphic. is the term. Yeah. So they were designed for cosplay even before cosplay existed, it sounds Pretty like. much, man. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. I I'd, I mean, I'd watch two episodes of that and and before I uh, decided. I mean, it sounds like it'd be cool. 
And if you wanted a two-for-one this, you could maybe throw the Silverhawks in there, season two. I'm not familiar with Silverhawks, but I was already picturing them, you know, going to uh, Eternia and seeing the Castle Grayskull already before, you know, before you were uh, slipped up and mentioned that. Because uh, they do seem like they could be in a similar universe, especially with, with He-Man's uh, uh, tiger that he rides. I don't remember the tiger's name. Don't ask me. <laughs> he's Cringer when he's not transformed. He's Battle Cat when he's transformed. Battle Cat, yes. But it's funny. I, I really did slip. I, I meant to say Thundera. I did say Eternia, but no, I but do. I see it. Well, I do actually have a comic mashup of He Man meets the Thundercats. Oh, so it's canon and, already. Yeah, and so so hey, maybe instead of the Silverhawks, throw the He Man in there somehow, and and you could you could cross them over in, in that sort of respect. But it's really really good. Basically, um, on Eternia, He Man and the the sorceress and Skeletor and evil Lynn they're, they're doing their big battle. And then they basically open a portal and that's how the, uh, the Thundercats end up getting into their world. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And then it's of course, both lion. So the similarities, right? He-Man is powered by his sword and lion is not mm-hmm. powered by his sword, but becomes, you know, the hero when his sword. Thunder. 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 Thunder! Thunder! Thundercast! But anyway, I think that might be That's might cool. be good. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about that. But like I said, announced in March of 2021, and uh, I, I didn't find anything else about it. So the last movie I have, this is the one I am the most excited about. I really, my whole life I've been hoping that they would further explore the characters, the world, and that is the Goonies. Ah, oh, oh, this was my childhood. Yeah. I love this movie. And when I was thinking about what I actually really wanted to see, I don't know. Like it ends on a pretty good note. They find the money to save their houses. They don't have to move out. They can still be friends. But I don't know that I really want to see what happens after that. To me, that was kind of like the climax. I really want to see their earlier adventures. I would want to see a prequel because they are, it's not like an origin story. They're already the Goonies. They've been doing adventures. You know, they already have a catchphrase that they say, never say die. Like, when did that come up? Why did that seems like a pretty grim <laughs> saying? Yeah, but, what, what, but what are they though? At that point, 13. Uh-huh. So we want to watch a bunch of nine year olds. Yeah. What kind of adventure are they getting into? Oh, they're on bikes. They're exploring. I mean, you know, just just going around this town. I mean, they're on a beachfront. Or okay, so fine. Maybe maybe the pirate ship, you know, doesn't float off in the distance. Maybe it like you know, gets uh uh uh, uh stuck on a sandbar. And so then they can explore the ship some more or make it a clubhouse. Well, but, here's here's my only problem with it. I, I, mm-hmm. I agree with you. Goonies would be cool. It's a, it's a neat property. It's a great cast. And, and as a standalone, obviously it's, it's made its mark. It's, 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 it's classic film. The problem I would feel is sort of like with Disney putting their prequels before the star Wars movies is mm-hmm. if all this cool stuff happened to them, how come it's never mentioned in the next movie? If these Goonies went out and did something ultra, ultra cool, 
how come like as they're walking through the caves, there's no, oh, it's like that one time. Hey, Data, remember, like you did last time or, you know, oh, this is they where. Do, they do a little bit of that. They they say, oh, when, I think it's when they're looking at the map. Jeez, it's been a while. I think it's when they're in the attic. They're like, oh, this is going to be another one of your, you know, something, something adventures or, or your schemes. or Well, something. right. But if it if it's too grandiose, I would just feel like how come they don't talk about it like like yeah. Bran doesn't say you know as he's chasing him like guys this is just like when you <laughs> blah 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 the blah 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 <laughs> you know this is like I don't know about octopus with the Cindy Lauper songs <laughs> right and see and that's just that's sort of my problem with prequels is is if they if they're too cool like and then yeah. it doesn't it doesn't mesh because I don't know. That's that's my personal yeah. feeling on it. Yeah, I mean, okay, fine. I, I can give you that. But, I mean, they found a pirate cave with booby traps. They can go back and go down the water slide. I mean, they can make that their, their fort or their clubhouse. I mean, there's probably more tunnels and caves going to other places. I mean, I, I don't think it was one linear path going to the pirate ship. Right, right. There's other stuff in there. See, and this is where... I would really like to see the grown-up versions of, because this is another, like, how do you live the rest of your life as a kid knowing the absolute coolest thing you did was when you were 13? Yeah. Like, how do you, how do you deal with that? Like, same thing with Elliot. How did he deal the rest of his life knowing, like, when I was 9, 12, 11? Not, I don't think he was 9 or 10. I was psychically linked to an alien and, and I flew my bike like across the town to save him. Like, how do you, what measures up at that point? You know what they say? You know how like people are, Oh, you peaked in high school, you know, <laughs> like what, what, how does that happen? If you peaked before high school, like you wouldn't yeah. be able to get me to shut up about my pirate adventure. Well, and also don't forget <laughs> about these criminals chasing you and trying to shoot at you and, and an old lady trying to kill you. Right. And they're in prison somewhere. You've got to mm-hmm. live with the fact that they're still there and they got out once. Yeah. You yeah. know, I mean, escapes. and, and now, you know, the Goonies team is, you know, you got a couple of girls on the team, you got Bran and you've got Sloth now. <gasps> I forgot. Yes. What is like, Sloth? What like, happened to him? What? Right. <laughs> what is your high school? Like knowing like if, anybody messes with you you're just like sloth you know the sloth in high school with them like like this is where i think a a sequel sure. as adults and how did they can you know you could maybe do flashbacks or you could do i don't know some sort of montage leading them up to where they're at they're wistful because and and actually uh one of our friends in Florida, he actually wrote a Goonies 2. And the only thing that I didn't like about the script is basically their kids get roped into this adventure and they're sort of their version of Goonies. They're, and then the adults have to go after them and they're mad the whole time. And all of their lines were like, this isn't safe. This isn't this. This isn't this. And my only thought was, these guys should be embracing this. Like Mm -hmm. if their lives just got so monotonous, they got 
married, they got jobs, they had kids, they live in the same town, you know, and nothing like they would be over the moon to relive, you know, basically their peak. So anyway, I'm and the rest of the plot, though, was kind of cool. Basically, the the thing was they find a thing about uh, a, a map or a book or something that says where One-Eyed Willie's hideout was. And they, they, they basically, you know, because nobody else has been able to do it, they managed because the ship disappeared um, after it sailed off. But they chart out its trajectory and this and that. And then they find out there's an island out there and they get to this island. And uh, anyway... It's uh, it was it was it was really good, and and that was my only thing is like, oh, these guys they peaked at thirteen. They would love to right. you know live that again. So that's a great choice. So to be clear, uh, for our listeners, the 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 treatment you're talking about was was fan fan fiction. Fan yeah, fiction, it's yes. It's not anything that's, that's yes, yes, yes. Fan yeah, fiction, yeah. yeah, yeah. But that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, I think you're right. The the adults seeing. Uh, what their kids are doing now, uh, you know, are, do you think all their, all their kids are friends as well? Or does something bring them together? Do the parents meet up and I'm thinking you know, so I'm thinking, feminist? yeah. Cause they're, they stayed friends, you know, they were, they all went through high school. I mean, they're in the same town. I think, you know, they, they'd be like the townies. They, they'd kind of be the legend really. Right. Like, because, oh, I mean, think because of all the they, jewels they found. Right. It, it, right. Not just for that. Right. And so if they cared that much about the town and they basically paid it all off to get rid of the developer and keep everything, then, you know, I, you know, you could have maybe one of the Goonies who decided to leave and comes back. And maybe that's a point of contention that sparks some sort of Mm -hmm. uh, part of the adventure, Um, you know, and, and the kids, you know, maybe the kids, maybe they don't even like Astoria. Maybe maybe they, they maybe they've been trapped by their parents' nostalgia for that old time, and they're like, "This place sucks. Why can't we move? I can't wait till I'm older." And so, like in the same way, the kids have their adventure and sort of find themselves. The parents have an adventure and find themselves. You know. So yeah, I I like where you're going with um, yeah, one of them. One of them, you know, has left. He's no longer part of the Goonies, uh, but he comes back, and uh, it's Brand. He he's left, and, and he's and he's come back. But now, uh, when he snaps his fingers, he can make all of Peoria disappear. <laughs> uh, <laughs> is that right? Am I am I doing this wrong? <laughs> <laughs> that's the a diamonds great... they found go into his gauntlet yes dude <laughs> oh that's what they were they were infinity stones just in one-eyed willie's ship that's perfect dude that's funny i like that well right. but then but then <laughs> his brother uh-huh. <laughs> also left carried his football? best friend b- b- <laughs> carried his best friend up a mountain <laughs> and he comes back all badass with <laughs> third world amulets and 
went to go with Notre. He went to Notre Dame to play football. <laughs> <laughs> and brought with him the Demogorgons. Oh, dude, that's funny. Mm-hmm. So, since we're since we're going comedy now, uh, my my last property that I believe only had a movie. And again, I didn't Google this. This was sometime in 84, 85, maybe 86. 86 seemed like the year like animation went bananas. But uh, I have put a lot of thought into this. And again, if there's anybody in Hollywood who can do anything about this, I relinquish all rights to this because this would be way too hard for me to ever really approach. Um, but have me on as a consultant because I got a lot of ideas. The Care Bears. Mm. But live action. The bears would be kind of CGI, but CGI real looking bears. Here's the pitch, right? This is the trailer. It's a couple enjoying a nice weekend, maybe skiing or hiking out in the woods. And they go to their nice little cabin. It's a real nice place. They get in there. They make a cozy fire. They're sipping wine. Maybe the wife is in the kitchen doing something and the husband looks out the window and says, honey, there's a bear out there. And she just really, what's he doing? He's staring at me. (laughs) All right. I didn't put a lot of thought into it because that's where it ends. But that's how I see the trailer (laughs) starting. And from there, we run into Tenderheart first because he's the he's the brown one. And so he he's the first one we encounter and we think, oh, but then we run into like the blue one and the green one and the yellow one. And, and it turns out uh, there's some kind of experiment where they've been in, injecting emotions into bears. Um, mm-hmm. But the problem is that after they hibernated, they came out weaponized and that's how they're able to shoot their emotions from their stomach. Uh, when they're all like they get to a boiling point, like almost like a Hulk rage, but instead of changing shape, they shoot. And like I'm picturing the symbols on their stomach, like prison tattoo kind of looking, you know, like not a nice, perfect heart or a perfect rain cloud, but like real, like gritty, like something that looks kind of like, like, ooh, did that hurt kind of a thing? And it turns out, it's been their enemy, no heart the whole time. And he's trying to find a way to erase all emotion from the planet. And his experiments on the bears backfire because he's been trying to erase emotion by injecting bears with emotion and turning them into weapons. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um <laughs> You said that you didn't put a lot of thought into it. I know. I put more thought than I thought. <laughs> uh, so, no heart. No heart yeah. is their enemy in the. In right. The, yeah. Right. 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 Okay. So the Care Bear Stare is the trailer. That's all you need. It's a teaser and then nothing. We, we don't release anything to the critics before yep. release date for obvious yep. reasons. Um, yeah. This is also more of a Game of Thrones style thing. I see. Huh? Like I'm picturing like Tenderheart, like Uh the guy goes out there and he thinks that Tenderheart's going to kill him, but it turns out there's, you know, maybe something else in the woods and Tenderheart just like throws his, you know, 
like elbows back, gets up on his hind legs. And like, you picture like this, again, prison tattoo heart, just shooting out and like leveling the forest and destroying whatever it was that was going to get this guy. And he's like, holy crap. You know, like cheer bears rainbow just goes like I'm picturing like Independence Day Armageddon style, like city fights, just like cutting the tops off of buildings, you know, with birthday cakes off of birthday bear and big old sunshines coming out. (laughs) Fun shine bear. like your idea, which it's their loss, but I think Robot Chicken would would hit this up because this sounds right up their alley. Oh my gosh, I think it'd be great. And then That'd be great. the capper mm-hmm. after credits tease of the get along gang. Oh. Another two for Scott. We're not just bears. We've got raccoons and squirrels. <laughs> what else are they? Uh the get along gang is a moose, a, a moose, a okay. bunny. Basically all the, I, I think it's a yeah. there's a maybe a lamb Horse in curves. there. Yeah. Yeah. And what what was their deal? Were they a band? Is that what they did? They're, they're actually, just friends. They're just friends, and they're part of like a Canadian animation uh, company, I think. Um, and they uh, they were basically just uh, a real nice uh, teach kids about you know how to be better people kind of thing. Like they they promoted friendship and working things out, and you know they did have a couple of like uh, and protagonists like they had a lizard and and something else that would kind of tease them and make them feel bad and then you know you'd get the anti-bully message at the end but that was basically their thing they were just a group of friends so yeah i so that yeah it is a perfect matchup right care bears their whole their whole thing was about you know helping and and caring and and picture that right yeah the after credits they go Mm -hmm. back to that cabin in the woods and tenderheart is there and that couple, again, maybe that couple is the main, the human contact. I don't know. They could have a kid, too, or something. And then uh, and then at the end, they're like there. And he's looking out the window again. Looking out the window. And yeah. then it's like, what are you looking at? There's a moose out there. And then you roll back, and it's it's He's the wearing main... an argyle sweater. Yes! <laughs> and roller skates. <laughs> <laughs> And then cuts back to the wife. Honey, we need to move. You know what? I take it all back. I, I want this stuff to be made, but you know, Hollywood executive, if you're listening to this, this is copyrighted now. You you can't yeah. take these ideas. I need you to look me up. Let's make something happen. For any representation for Eric Walensky, please reach out to me, Scotty Pepperoni Enterprises. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was fun, Scott. Yeah, uh, that was fun. See, I told you. Look at that. Yeah, this is, no, this that, I like thinking about thinking about all these movies that. I mean, no kidding. Flight Navigator, Goonies. Like, even as a kid, as a teenager, always thought, man, I wish they'd make another movie about these. It would have been so cool. I've I've never forgot the last Starfighter. That I yeah. think with it as it's on its own, it's a great film. I just think you could do so much more with better, you know, because that was 1984. That was Polygon mm-hmm. graphics still back then. Oh, yeah. That was like, yeah, it you was know, asteroids. That was Deep asteroids, control, yeah. like you know, slightly better than Tron graphics. <laughs> yeah, but there was a lot of prosthetic makeup effects and, and costumes, you know, uh, 
are, and you know, a lot more aliens on this alien planet. They were from all over the world to join this, you know, fighting team. Yes. Um, I would say, you know, more, more diverse aliens than, you know, the first movie of with Tatooine, <laughs> you know? And again, back to the simplicity of the last Starfighter, how it, it really just set it up. I mean, they have the entire squadron destroyed in one bomb by the spy. And like, it, it, I mean, it raises the question now, if one spy could get in with one bomb and destroy every single fighter pilot in space, like, why did they even need the Armada? Like, why yeah. couldn't he have planted, like, five bombs and just blown up the whole alliance or whatever they were that was uh, <laughs> trying to mount an offensive against them? But but I also love, though, that the, the alien guy, what was his name that passed away? his last role no you said his name earlier robert Robert preston yeah robert preston yeah that he was basically he was he was an alien but he had humanoid uh uh features so he could you know not freak alex out when he came to earth anyway that scene (laughs) well yeah and remember he gets he gets shot and you think he dies at like the three-quarter point of the movie and then Alex gets to space again. And then, you know, he and Grig save the day. And then they get back to the base and everybody's che- cheering. And then Grig goes, somebody wants to say hi to you. And he's like, who? And he points and this alien thing walks towards him. And then he takes the thing off and boom, he's there. He's there. And, and Alex is like, you're alive. I thought you were dead. Nah, I merely went dormant while my body repaired itself. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Like there's, there, we didn't know anything about his body chemistry right. or anything. Right, right. right. <laughs> yeah, that, that's why I always thought he was so cool. I mean, I mean, I had nightmares the first time you know he picked up Alex, and he, I just remember he takes out a handkerchief and like rubs his eyes and like yes. pops them out. Oh, that freaked me out. Yes, but or no, no, it, he wipes his face and it's an alien face, and then he wipes it again and it's back right. to humanoid. It's back to humanoid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I thought you were dead. No. My body <laughs> merely lay dormant or my yeah, while, while my body repaired itself. What? What? Like what what a like he might as well have said, "Nope, I'm his twin." Oh. <laughs> With well, all of his also, exact memories. <laughs> and the casting of it, especially when he's describing all this, he he sounds a lot like Harold Hill, Professor Harold Hill from The Music Man, right? Like he sounds like a sales guy that you're not sure he's really giving you the whole story. And so I thought the casting was perfect because that's what I always kind of thought. Like, I don't know if I believe this guy. <laughs> if he's giving us everything. Lance Guest. Lance Guest. I had to look it up. Lance Guest mm. is Alex Rogan, right. the last Starfighter. I already said that. Anyway. So, Scott, if any Hollywood agents out there and loves your ideas and wants to get a hold of you, where can they find you? You can listen to me on my podcast, The Cool Dads Club Podcast, available wherever podcasts are sold or given away for free. The Cool Dads Club Podcast is me and my friend George talking about being dads and kind of some tips, some tricks. It's a safe place to just kind of laugh and joke about uh, what we're up against raising young kids. You're up against an armada of children. Children slash aliens. The last Slash Care Bears. The last Starfather. 
Oh. Copyright. Called it. Cheers. Cheers. I don't want it. <laughs> and Eric, where you... can we find you at if we wanted to find more of you? Uh, you can find me at Eric underscore Walensky uh, on the Instagram. Uh, you can find me on Facebook uh, just by my name, Eric Walensky. Uh, you can find me here on this podcast. Um, and you can find me playing video games until a friendly alien comes down and tells me I'm the best of the best. I'm a space top gun. And I, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's the, that's the hook. It's the top gun fire starfighter. Yes. Yeah. And again, copyrighted. I take it all copyrighted. back. You got to go through me for these. No, ideas. I said it. I said it. It's mine. Well, I mean, it's you mine. can have that, but I mean, all my yeah. other ideas and your all ideas, other. copyright, I'm calling it. I'm calling it right now. Well, folks, uh, hope you all enjoyed this uh, little Marvel What If uh, into some properties that may one day be out there to ruin your childhood. Could it be I've misunderstood? This podcast ruined my childhood. I did not mention Back to the Future because it does not need anything to be made ever. I know. (laughs) Leave perfection where it is. It's done.